When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, this is Diane Baker, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Farewell, Timothy Riley's bar, and terraplanes, and rumble seats, and saddle shoes, and Helen Forrest, triple C camps, and Andy Hardy, and Lum and Abner, and the world champion New York Yankees. Ed Roberts and along with guest Jim Benson. Jim Benson, co-author along with Scott Skelton of Night Gallery and After Hours Tour, everything you wanted to know about Rod Serling's Night Gallery, the follow-up series to the Emmy Award-winning writer's landmark series, The Twilight Zone, that also provided a new forum for Rod Serling's unique brand of storytelling. Jim and Scott recently updated their book with more than 400 pages of new information, including a host of photographs, including... All of the full-color uh, photographs of all of the paintings by Tom Wright that appeared at the beginning of each segment of Night Gallery, plus a brand-new Ford by Guillermo del Toro, and a whole lot more Night Gallery and After Hours Tour, 50th Anniversary Retrospective, available now, CreatureFeatures.com, NightGallery.com. Net. I understand that, okay, once once he got the uh, pilot made, and the pilot, by the way, included that segment, Eyes, that you had mentioned, that featured Joan Crawford, and which was directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, one of the, That was one of the things that got Steven Spielberg on the map. We'll talk about that in just a second. Once he got the show on the air, was it smooth sailing, or did, did stuff happen? Uh, oh, after the pilot aired? Yeah, that, I realized that was a multiple choice type of question the way I'd asked, but you you, you can you, you can answer it any way you want. Well, the, well, the interesting thing about the new information that uh, we discovered in our research, new research, uh, we we discover, discovered some contradictions based on what people had told us 25 years ago, and uh, so we sort of had to thread the needle, you know, trying to combine these different, sometimes contradictory concepts. Uh, I believe we did a good job because, as you well know, Ed, when you have contradictory information from different people, you, you, know, you kind of have to split the baby and find a way to combine both truths yeah. in, a way, in a way that it's logical uh, and, and that the integrity of the history is, is retained. Uh, and so... We originally wrote 25 years ago that uh, Night Gallery was uh, a hard sell. Uh, that was based on what the producer of the pilot, William Sackheim, told us, uh, that the network uh, you know, really wasn't that interested because anthologies were old hat, and anthologies 
didn't have continuing characters, so they didn't garner the type of ratings that other TV shows uh, got. But conversely, we we also discovered that at the same time that uh, NBC uh, was considering Night Gallery, they were on a mission to make television more nonlinear, include more anthologies, uh, break up the, the normal formats of TV shows. Uh, so they, they were, at the time, uh, wanting to lead a revolutionary charge in television, create more long-form programs, movies, uh, world premieres, uh, and, uh, like I said, create you know sort of non-linear, unorthodox programs like Four in One, where you would have uh, Night Gallery, San Francisco International Airport, The Psychiatrist, and McLeod, um, and rotate those series and have them limited to six episodes each, which was revolutionary at that time. Uh, and the reason why NBC was doing this was because they believed that that was the future of television, and they wanted to compete with motion pictures, who at, the, who at the time, motion pictures, were not doing that well. The, they were really in the doldrums, and uh, there were a few hits here and there. But until Jaws came along in 1975, it was kind of hit and miss for Hollywood. So that was their intention, and we found quote after quote after quote after quote from various NBC executives about how they were on this mission and uh, they were almost like religious zealots. And, and unfortunately, that led to their downfall, ultimately, <laughs> um, because with the emphasis on long-form dramatic television shows for the most part, they neglected uh, other genres, like situation comedies. And uh, that allowed for other networks, like um, especially ABC, to compete in the situation's comedy space and eventually blow away NBC, and uh, which which caused them to plummet into third place for the first time in their history. Until in, until they were able to right themselves in the 1980s with Con, with, with with Cosby and, and and all of that, but that that that's the subject of another conversation. Jim Benson, television historian, host of TV Time Machine, a program that is almost as good as TV Confidential. Jim Benson, uh, <laughs> co co-author. <laughs> I heard that. No, I, 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 I've listened to your show, and no, I'm, I, you know, no, it, it's a very good, I, it's, it's, it's a very good show. It's a one-hour show, so it's, it's, it's half as good as mine, which is a two-hour show. But, exactly, exactly right. <laughs> uh, more importantly, Jim Benson is the co-author, along with Scott Skelton, of Night Gallery and After Hours Tour, revised second edition, 50th anniversary re- retrospective, everything you want to know about Rod Serling's Night Gallery, now available, CreatureFeatures.com, NightGallery.net. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. One more item. Summertime is in full swing, and if you have dry skin, you know what happens when the weather gets warmer. More visible lines and dullness. Fortunately, our friends at Ibu Beauty can help. Their Super Duo Serum and Moisturizer is all you need this summer for the perfect look. Check them out, ibubeauty.com. That's Y-I-B-U, beauty.com, or at Ibu Beauty on Instagram. Use customer code Ibu50 now at checkout and receive 50% off your first order. It's interesting just dovetailing on something you said, and then we'll, go, then we'll focus back on Night Gallery in particular. Uh, Night Gallery originally premiered on uh, NBC as part of a wheel series called Four and One. It was not the first wheel series because they uh, NBC had Name of the Game at the time, but uh, right. N- Name of the Game was a traditional wheel in that one week it would be a show with Robert Stack, one week it would be a show with Tony Franciosa, one week it would be a show with Doug McClure. So you would have alternating leads, as we saw with the NBC mystery movie, where one week it would be McLeod, one week it would be Columbo, et cetera. But with, when, when Night Gallery originally premiered, they aired all six episodes over consecutive weeks, and then the show disappeared for several months until they re-ran the show. Obviously, the show, it must have found some sort of audience because it, it, uh, it sparked enough interest to bring Night Gallery back as a full-fledged weekly series one year later? Oh, yes. Uh, Even though they didn't have the ideal time slot in in the schedule, uh, in in terms of, you know, the type of months that you would want your show on the air, Mm -hmm. they they were originally going to have uh, Night Gallery, I believe, it was going to be the second wheel premiering, I think there was one consideration about perhaps it launching four and one, but then basically it was pushed back uh, because there was greater enthusiasm for the psychiatrist starring Roy Thinnes, uh, primarily because Steven Spielberg was directing uh, a couple of episodes of the psychiatrist, and one of which, called Hole in One, is considered to be his finest television show that he directed uh you know it's completely different than duel of course mm-hmm. which is generally considered his finest tv work but in terms of uh, episodic television that wasn't a tv movie uh hole in one by spielberg's own admission uh was the best thing he ever did for television he also did he, he directed the eyes segment of the night gallery pilot, which aired as a two-hour world premiere uh, in uh, uh, during the 69-70 television season. I'm not a film scholar, but if I were, I would say that is one of the first things visually in which Steven Spielberg left his mark as a filmmaker. But the other, uh, the, the other little notable thing is you have a young director on the rise directing one of the great stars of film, Joan Crawford, in the same project. Yeah, so that was the first thing he ever directed professionally. Obviously, Amblin, he had done that several years earlier, and, uh, and that got him in the door. That got his, uh, the attention of Sid Scheinberg, uh, who became his mentor and his friend. And it was Scheinberg who saw the extraordinary talent of Spielberg and knew that he was going to be a great director and did everything he could to, to push Spielberg 
to be a director at Universal against a lot of resistance because of his age. And made worse by the fact that he actually looked his age. <laughs> because time and time again, you know, people who we interviewed uh, said that he literally looked like a kid. He looked like a child. Uh, his very boyish appearance. And, uh, and that worked against him because he, he, he uh, confronted immediate prejudice, you know, ageism. Uh, especially from the old-timers who had been working at Universal Studios for 20, 30, 40, 50 years or longer. Uh, and, uh, and also he had long hair, and, you know, he, he sort of liked it. He looked like the new generation. And then that also was a threat to the old guys, you know, the guys in their 50s and 60s uh, who knew that Hollywood was changing, especially with films like Easy Rider, and they resisted that change. Like like most people, they didn't want the change because it would threaten their jobs. <laughs> and and indeed, over time, a lot of those guys were, were unfortunately replaced because a lot of them were incredible, incredible artists. Um, but uh, but the, the, when Spielberg directed Night Gallery, he was 21 years old, uh, and it was not a good experience for him for those very reasons. Uh, you know, he, he took a fair amount of abuse and from the crew, uh, a lot of uh, passive-aggressive stuff, um, you know, giving him the cold shoulder and really not being as cooperative as they would have been if they had been working with a director whom they respected who was older. Mm -hmm. uh, and But it was really Joan Crawford and Barry Sullivan who came to the defense of Spielberg, and uh, especially Crawford, who told the guys, uh, I've worked with this man before, which was a lie, uh, <laughs> and uh, you, you are to treat him like any director, and you are to treat him with respect. And so, um, you know, she really saved the situation for him. And in, uh, well, maybe Joan Crawford didn't realize this, but in... Uh, smoothing out the path that allowed Steven Spielberg to make his directorial debut period on Night Gallery, it paved the way for other directors, film and TV directors, to get their start because of Night Gallery. Oh, yes. Uh, it, it, Night Gallery, it, it's been said that, uh, you know, Night Gallery, uh, well, we said this in our first book, that uh, The Twilight Zone was a writer's show and Night Gallery was a director's show. Now, Night Gallery featured great writing, mm -hmm. and uh, some of the best writing that Rod Serling ever wrote, uh, even though a lot of people view him as being washed up at that time, and his best years were behind him, but that wasn't true. They're tearing down Tim Riley's Bar is one, one example that I mentioned earlier, um, and several other episodes. Um, but the emphasis, because uh, Jack Laird was the producer of the show, um, his emphasis was more, even though he was a writer, mm -hmm. uh, he recognized the benefit that these young, hip, innovative, uh, out-of-the-box directors, incredibly creative, he recognized that they could bring the style of the show that had never seen that had never been seen in television before, and so he brought in 
uh, very young directors like Spielberg, like Genoa's War, like John Badham, uh, like Jerry Friedman, uh, to a lesser degree, Gene Kearney, who was his right-hand man. He was a writer-director. But, you know, they were doing things in television, especially being Night Gallery being a supernatural series, they were doing things in television that had never been done before, never seen before. They're well beyond, even though Thriller, 10 years earlier, was a great show, uh, television was different <laughs> 10 years earlier. And uh, these young guys brought sort of a um, subversive quality, and, and certainly Jack Laird did, a subversive quality a revolutionary quality that was reflective of the 1960s and what was going on in society. Night Gallery also opened the door for a number of actors uh, who had never directed before. It gave them an opportunity to direct, one of which is a guy who's still with us and who you have become friends with as a result of this project, John Astin. Yes, John Astin, uh, when we approached him back in 1996, was um, it was very difficult to get a hold of because at, at the time and and this still is the case uh, he was teaching in, at uh, uh, John Hopkins University in Maryland uh, and he was teaching drama uh, and uh, and so he, he's a very busy man even though at the time he was in his seventies mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, we eventually, fortunately, I, I was able to to convince him <laughs> to take the time to uh, talk about not only the the episodes that he directed, but the the episodes that he starred in, mm-hmm. um, because he directed three shows and he starred in three shows. Uh, so he was the perfect interview, the perfect interview, and uh, John Aston. Um, once you get his attention, he gives you all the time in the world, but you have to get his attention. (laughs) Well, it, it, it goes to show, and this is a lesson I've learned, and this is a good lesson, uh, no matter what you do, uh, is, is you have to learn the fine art between persistence and being a pain in the ass. Oh, yes. That is, that's, it's a delicate balance. It really is. Uh, and and everybody's, pardon the expression, temperament is different. And you have to, I know you've done this, Ed, uh, you have to negotiate uh, very delicately sometimes and be very diplomatic because different personalities are different and some of them are very unpredictable. Yep. You know, <laughs> so, and can turn on a dime. So, um so you you have to be very gentle sometimes with with certain people. Other people will just talk to you at the drop of the hat. You know, you can call them at nine at nine o'clock at night and they'll talk to you. You know, but uh, but John Aston ended up giving me uh, over three hours of interview time, uh, recorded interviews. Um, and the re- remarkable thing about Aston is. Uh, whether he's in his 70s, 80s, or 90s, he remembers everything <laughs> in in detail as though it happened yesterday. 
He remembers what people said, uh, almost verbatim. He remembers everything. So, so that's why uh, his interviews are particularly rich, and we were able to um, to uh, offer them verbatim in whole paragraphs, taking up sometimes half a page of space, because. He, he was so comprehensive in his recollections. John Astin is one of the many people you will get to know in Night Gallery and After Hours Tour, 50th Anniversary Retrospective, available now, CreatureFeatures.com, NightGallery.net. Jim Benson, co-author of Night Galleries and After Hour Tour with Scott Skelton, on the phone with us right now. Jim will be back next week for part two of our conversation. Among other things, we will talk about some of the many misconceptions about Night Gallery that Jim and Scott put to rest in Night Gallery and After Hours Tour. That's coming up next week on TV Confidential. In the meantime, Night Gallery and After Hours Tour, revised 50th anniversary edition, available creaturefeatures.com, nightgallery.net. Take a quick time out. We'll back more TV Confidential right after this. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.